Welcome to the Calvary Church Podcast. We're glad that you are here and that you can be a part of a recent service at TCC. So let's join the service, which is already underway, and listen to the message. So I wonder if you will give him permission to work in your life. How, how daring would you be? How bold would you be to say, Lord, profoundly alter me today? Why don't you lift your hands for just a moment and let's pray. Father, I give you permission. Search the deep caverns of my heart, my life. We have prepared ourselves. Only you can make the changes, Lord. Touch today. Open our ears to hear today. Let the miraculous be released in our lives today. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. We thank you, Lord, for what you've done, for who you are, for what you're about to do. In Jesus' name. Clap your hands one more time. Let me... Uh... Let me turn your attention quickly to the book of 2 Timothy, chapter 3. Sister Pasley, it's so good to see you and, and get to be in the same building with you. Royalty. And, and thank God for her and, and for Tom and Kristen for their family. And, uh, what a great church. Wow, what a legacy. And what a great ministry team member. Y'all got it together. It makes me nervous to be around people that have it together. That means I have to put it together. <laughs> oh, Lord. 2 Timothy chapter 3. Know also in the last days, perilous times will come. He was speaking of our time, by the way. Men will love themselves, be covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, without natural affection, truce breakers, false accusers, incontinent, fierce despisers of those that are good. They're tready, they're, they're heady, they're high-minded, they're traitors, they're lovers of pleasure, more than lovers of God. They have what appears to be godliness but are void of power or rather void of connection. There's a lot of un in this particular sentences. Unthankful. Things coming undone. Over the last few years, we have seen it not only in North American culture, but in the church world. People coming undone. I heard the Lord say a few days ago while in prayer concerning what he would do here. That he was going to put some things together. And some words that have been spoken that have uh, somewhat maybe laid dormant for a while. He said, I'm going to awaken these gifts and anointings and promises. And I am going to restore. So there's some things being set into action this week. Through the power of the Holy Ghost. That will set our trajectory individually and as a church. And I'm glad to be a part of it, aren't you? Clap your hands. You may be seated. Thank you, God, for your goodness and God's power to restore. I was in a, 
post-service fellowship session a few years ago with, uh, and our, our kids were tiny. Matter of fact, we only had one at that time. And uh, there was a few other families there that had kids and they were playing in the other room and it was post-service. We were talking about the goodness of God. And one of the pastor's wives said, pray for my brother. He belongs to such and such major league uh, baseball team. And, and he really has a call of God on his life, but he has been running for a few years. So we were talking about these things and, and uh, she really began to be passionate. Please just remember him. I said, well, where is he now? Well, he lives three blocks over. Wonderful. Well, it's 1130 at night. I'm not interested in doing house calls and it's post-service. But suddenly the spirit of prayer came into the, the dining room there where we were seated. And in the other room, you could hear the kids and they're crying and carrying on. And I thought, oh, Lord, you know, they they all need whoopings. It's 1130 at night when you whoop them and go to bed. What turned out happened was the kids were playing church in the other room and it turned into church. And three or four of them received the gift of the Holy Ghost there in that place. So they're in there having church. We're out there being carnal in the dining area. And, uh, but it came into the house and suddenly the spirit of the Lord prompted me and I, and I stood up from the table and said, sis, where, what direction is his house? Well, it's that way. Okay. So I, I prompted of God, stood up, stretched my hands in that direction and said, now, Lord, I want you to send an angel to Lynn. That was his name. I want you to send him an angel. And I want you to wake him up out of his bed. And I want you to talk to him. And send that angel to minister to him. And to remind him that there is hope. That was Saturday night. Sunday morning. As people were gathering in for service. Guess who walked in the local church door? Right. Now, the night before, they were looking at me like some of y'all are looking at me like getting up talking to angels and all this stuff. How wonderful is that? But you see, the spiritual economy is much more tangible than the physical economy and world. And if we dare walk into it, there's no limit to what the Lord will do. So I said, under the prompting of God, wake him up and remind him of everything that you promised you would do in his life. When he came into that church house that morning, he ran to the altar and he said, last night at such and such time, something walked into my room and said, God is not done with you. There's some things that God has promised you. I want you to tell your neighbor, God is not done with you either. God is not done with you. Matter of fact, he's just getting started. Listen to what the prophet prophesied over the Holy Ghost filled church. In the book of Joel, chapter 2, the Lord speaking, saying, I will restore the years, not just the hours, not just the months, but there are decades of things that have been spoken over this church, prayed over this region, and over your life. And I have a book in front of me that is contract and clad eternally. 
that the author himself said, I will restore the years that the locusts came in and eat and the crawling locusts and the consuming locusts. I will restore an army that was sent among you and you will eat plenty and you will be satisfied. You may be weary right now, but I have a book in front of me that said you shall be satisfied. We don't know where the resource is going to come from. Only know that he will satisfy. I wish I could get somebody just to shout to God for just a moment and thank him. And my people will never be ashamed. I will remove their shame. They will no longer be put to shame. The Bible has a lot to say about the idea of restoration. There are scripture after scripture that references directly the reconciliation of God. The book of Ephesians talks about the Spirit of the Lord being our peace and has taken down a wall that separated us from him and made us to be at one with him and to be restored with him. The book of Colossians chapter 1 says he has reconciled us. The book of Corinthians said that he has given us the ministry of reconciliation. Aren't you thankful today that the Spirit of the Lord has a plan to restore your household? I want you to think of every person that used to know God but doesn't at this moment. And I want you to plan a place for them in this altar and in a seat sitting next to you. Because over the next few months, God is going to do something in the earth that will shake the hearts of men. You'll say to me, what was he doing the last couple of years? That was just the beginning of a wake-up call. But God said there is going to be a generation that is so awakened unto God that people, are y'all hearing me, that people will come running to know him. That's why he's enlarging the footprint of this church in this region. Because he said, I'm setting prophets in order. I'm setting preachers in order. I'm setting prayer warriors and Bible study teachers and pastors in order because of what is coming I'm going to have a church that is ready I am going to restore Mm. Jesus said when the comforter comes he will restore he will remind or bring into remembrance those things of old Joel's prophecy, specifically speaking of the power of the Holy Ghost. The power of the Holy Ghost is to restore. I wish I could get some Holy Ghost filled saint of God to point your finger right in the devil's face and say, I want my family back. I want my community back. I want my joy back. I want our unity back. I want our peace back. I want our strength back. Okay, anybody awake in here right now, ready to understand that the essence of God's Spirit is to restore? Let me tell you that hell does not like the word of reconciliation. Hell does not like the idea of restore. It has worn out the church over the last few years and worn out people over the last few years. People tired, but let me tell you what I'm tired of. I'm tired of second-rate Christianity where people get together in church houses 
places and pretend like they used to like they used to be and pray like they used to be people have lost hope in our world there's a lot of things come undone listen we need to be the people of restoration we don't need to celebrate mediocrity we need to break out of the mold and say if God did it once he can do it again and then some I ought to get a hold of somebody and shout to God. Mainstream Christianity entered maintenance mode a few years ago. And across the country, churches were just happy to be. Let me tell you something. I'm not any more happy to be a member of a church than I am a member of Sam's Club. I'm not happy until the will of God is being accomplished in every area of the earth. And the gospel is knocking crack house doors open. Are you hearing me? We need not celebrate mediocrity, but no, God's got a call on our life. And we have been living so far below our potential and so far from the call of God in our life. But he's raising things up right now. He's challenging us. He's awakening us. There's a lot things that God has promised your life. There are things that God has promised you, but you've been through so much, you threw it behind you and said, I can't even handle to think about what I'm going through, but God said, Forget what you're going through. Look what I'm getting ready to do in your life. Look what I'm getting ready to do in the earth. He's restoring me. Peace by peace. He's awakening his church. Peace by peace. Soldier by soldier. Prayer by prayer. Service by service. Oh, somebody feel what I'm feeling right now. Acts chapter 3, as the Holy Ghost is falling on the earth, the apostle preaches, repent and be converted so that your sins can be blotted out, so that when times of refreshing come from the presence of the Lord, not if they come, but when they come. There is a time of restoration in his economy. There is a time of refreshing in his economy. There is a time when weeping endures for a night, but then joy comes in the morning. There is a time for mourning and ashes, and then there is a time for dancing. Are you hearing me? That's all a part of God's economy. I'll need to speak this into the atmosphere because there's things that need to be shaken loose in some folks' mind and mentality and thinking. We're about to break beyond comfortable boundaries into the things that God has promised. And let me tell you something. I can feel the anxiety for it. I can feel the excitement of it. We can sense it in this house today. But God is more excited and anxious to do than we are for him to do. Do you know that God has a threshold of patience? Now y'all are proof that God has patience. Because he, he ought to shut this thing down a long time ago. I'm proof that God is patience. But he has a threshold. The apostle Peter said it was the long suffering of God that waited over a century for the ark to be put together. I'd have been like, like my boys getting ready for church. Five, four, three, two, one. And it's going to be crying time again. 
But God waited over a hundred years. It was the long suffering of God. But when he said, I've had enough, he said, open up the earth and open up the heaven. Let's get this thing rolling. It was the patience of God when Moses went into Pharaoh and God woke up an 85-year-old man on the backside of a desert and talked to him through a burning tree. And God said, I've had enough. The cry of my people has entered into my ears and pricked my heart. You go tell Pharaoh, I've had it. Now it's time to let my people go. We're going to put things back together. See, God allows seasons, but he allows seasons for reasons. There may be a process, but there's a graduation of the process. And there's a threshold that God has where he said, all right, I've had enough. I've watched them go through what they've gone through over the last several years, but you tell hell, it's time to let go. I'm going to release an anointing in his life. I'm going to release an anointing in her life. Mm, 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 mm. God was patient while Sodom and Gomorrah were acting like a bunch of idiots. He went to Abram and said, Abram, you better pray now because I'm fixing to flatten the house. But I'll wait as long as you'll pray. I have a plan, though. I'm bringing it all to fruition. There's moments where God is patient, and then there's a moment where God said, I've had enough. Hell has mocked the church over the last few years. The enemy has mocked lives of individuals sitting in this house today. And the Lord said, I've had enough. I've had enough. You watch what I'm getting ready to do with her. You watch what I'm getting ready to do with him. You watch what I'm getting ready to do in this house. <laughs> God... One, one time I, I went to minister for a particular church group. They did not believe in the Holy Ghost. They did not believe. Matter of fact, not only did they not believe in the operation of the power of God, there's a lot of things they didn't believe in that it was surprising because we sat down and talked about Scripture the night before, but it turns out they only believed about 3% of the book. And so, uh, but then they invited me to preach at one of their big meetings. And they brought their bishops in, and the bishops were there with their books and the Bibles, and they were measuring my words, and I love that kind of pressure. And, uh, and I thought, what am I going to preach? And so I went to the meeting, and I didn't have a title, and this would make you really nervous. I didn't have a title till I walked through the door. Yeah, and I, and I thought, this is going to be just such a joke. And But it was a really old building. And so I thought, what a beautiful piece of, of, of real estate here. What a great piece of architecture. Well, it turned out it was an old church building from the 1850s. And a, a message title popped in my mind, If the Walls Could Talk. And so I thought, well, now, what you talking about? That sounds, like, that's, that sounds pretty good. Well, then the Spirit of the Lord came on me. And the Lord started telling me things I did not know, and it was really evident. And I, I started talking about if these walls could talk, they'd talk about praying mamas reeling in the pews, and groaning, rolling in the earth, and speaking in heavenly language. And there were people getting up and leaving. It was the most wonderful feeling in the world. <laughs> getting up and leaving. If these walls could talk, they tell of all-night prayer meetings, and they would tell of daddies leading prayer meetings in local houses if these walls could talk. 
A few more people got up and left, and one of the preachers came center to the pulpit area. And I thought, and here goes the big finish and the exit. Like, he's fixing to pull me down, and we're going to make a scene and what have you. And uh, he walked up to center and tears streaming down his face. And he said, do you know this building you're in right now was the site of one of the biggest revivals in this part of the country back in 1860-something? And that there were people rolling around for days on the ground, and they were talking in other languages, and people didn't know what to do with them? He said, my great-great-great-grandparents were involved in that situation, and this is a national historic landmark. Well, now... He's standing there, and I said, well, well, Jeff, was his name Jeff, buddy? What are we going to do about that? He said, I want it right now. So I said, well, I'm trying to preach and hold myself together, but Lord, maybe you'll help him out. And, and Jeff raises his hands toward heaven, and the Spirit of God hit him, and he fell over. That's a liability in a, in a congregation of people that do not know the work of the he fell over and so his uh one of his kinfolk came over and went to steady him to help him and when she touched him the power of god hit her when somebody thought oh and somebody touched her and it went bang 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 and all of a sudden and by the end of that week there were multiple church organizations where their leadership had been filled with the power of the holy ghost And they had even gone so far as to study the baptismal formula, the historic and the biblical, and had rebaptized their parishioners and all of their team leaders within one week's time. And the Lord said, I put a word of restoration in the mouth of this generation. And I have put it in this house. And when the Lord prompted me to speak it over this congregation this morning, it's fixing to get good. Are you hearing me? I don't know who you work with. I'm only telling you that I see dry bones raising up out of a valley floor. I don't know how much time I got. See, God is a God of wholeness. He he never leaves anything undone. That's why during the the, uh, week of the creative process, when he finished his work, he said it's good. Matter of fact, even before he closes out the week, look when he creates the day. Let the sun, he hurls the, the stars into the universe and the sun. And then he said, and the evening and the morning were the first day. The evening in the morning, an entire revolution, we'll call that a day. But we're not going to stop at the halfway point and call it a day. We will wait for a 360 degree complete revolution. Then we'll call it a day. Then we'll call it good. That's telling of God's character. That's telling of the fact that God is a God of wholeness. So you might be somewhere at the halfway point in the journey and feel like he left you. But he hadn't left you. He's a God of wholeness. And he said, he that began a good work in me is faithful to do what? To complete the work. He's not, he will not, one writer said, he will not let his Holy One to see corruption. Prophesying over the body of Christ, laying in a grave for three days. 
But that same revolution, that same momentum was utilized even during the resurrection process. When God is counting the days and the hours. One, two, see three has significance of a complete revolution in divine operation. And on the third day, he arose from the grave victoria. And then, victoriously rising from the grave, O death Where is your stained grave? Where is your victory? The shadow of death has lost its power. And God is known as a God of completion. A complete opportunity lies before us. An opportunity for graduation. An opportunity for God's work to be released in our life. Do you recognize that he is called Alpha and he is called Omega? Do you recognize that he is called the first and he's called the last. Do you recognize that he is the author and he is the finisher? Let me tell you why hell is nervous and fighting. He can feel the finisher in the house. Oh yeah, he can. He can feel the presence of a finisher who hung on a cross, gave his life, and his final fleeting words in the human dimension were, It is finished the graduator has shown up the master of ceremonies has revealed himself and i have completed the work that i have come to do you'll read throughout scripture like galatians 4 and 4 when the fullness of time was come or the prophet isaiah citing the wholeness of god said there's nothing that could be spoken but a word will come forth it will eventually bring forth the fruit it will eventually bring forth the promise. I heard one writer say, Rejoice not against me, my enemy. For when I fall, and I shall fall and have fallen. But when I fall, God is not finished with me yet. When I fall, God is not through with what he has spoken over my life. It may be decades that you have felt the presence of God. There may be promises spoken over this house and things uttered into the atmosphere. But in this season, over the last 18 to 20 something months over this church, God has set a canopy over us and over this region. And God said, you watch, there have been seeds sown out in places that you either forgot about or never knew about. And God said rejoice not against me my enemy for when I fall and it looked like they had shut us down and we were not ever going to be able to open again when I fall I shall arise I wish I could get somebody in this house maybe you've been to hell and back you need to tell the devil I'm getting back up I'm going to get my shout back I'm going to get my joy back I'm going to get my prayer life back Somebody ought to give him praise. I shall arise. He will perfect that which concerneth me. The psalmist locked up in the darkness of a cave by pen and parchment in the middle of a night with a bunch of societal rejects, no count, bills were due, families were falling apart. They were messed up. They were jacked up and had junk in the trunk. And he's locked in a cave with them. And by midnight hour, by a little uh, oil lamp, he takes out a pen and remembers the nature of God. 
and pins the words. Weeping endures for a night. But God's not going to leave me like this. Joy is coming. In, I wish you'd prophesy that over your... I wish you'd prophesy that over your spirit. I wish you'd prophesy that over your household. Joy is coming in the morning. It may look like midnight in your neighborhood, but God said joy is coming in the morning. It may... Y'all... I want you to hear me right now because God's getting ready to heal somebody's body. But God said joy is coming in the morning. It may look like midnight for a moment. But God is fixing to heal your body. He will. He will perfect that which concerneth you and I. He will bring it to perfection. He will restore it he will make it whole again it will rise again martha when jesus shows up at lazarus house in her thinking of course her brother had been buried for days jesus shows up at what appears to be late and jesus after having wept Tells his disciples he's not dead, really. He's just sleeping. You ever wonder why did he say that? He's not dead. He's just sleeping. Sounds like a good country song. Uh, why, why would he say that? And you see him reference this a few times in Scripture. He talks about sleep. What is sleep? Because he also talks of death. But sleep is different in that. From the author's perspective, death appears like death and ending. But really, it's just slumber or sleep, which simply means in his mind, rest until revelation. Stillness. Until the peace speaker comes. It's just lying there waiting. So what is really happening there at the graveside of Lazarus is Martha's crying over something that looks like it's dead and gone. But God said, it ain't gone. I'm just waiting on it. And it's been waiting on me. It's just resting until the peace speaker talks to it. I've come to restore. And the rest of the story is he calls Lazarus out. I'm telling you now, some of y'all have been overwhelmingly depressed in your spiritual life because you're mourning something that you thought died and God said it didn't die. It's just sleeping. I've been waiting for the moment of restoration. I've been waiting. I feel like that time is upon us. Anybody who feel like that, why don't you just wave your hands to the Lord just a moment and say, God, your touch, he doesn't want to leave you undone. What did he do when he touched people? And if you ever had a conversation with him when he touched him, he said, be thou made whole. Which means complete like the story of a guy that he was blind and he came to jesus 
And Jesus touches him the first time, and he said, bam, how's that? He said, well, I can see, but not clearly. Well, Jesus could have said, well, tell you what, go home, pray about that, and think about it, and after a few days, it'll all work out. But Jesus touched him again. See, the Lord spoke to me a few years ago. He said, there's a whole generation walking around, and they're not seeing clearly. They've been touched, but they haven't had the completed touch. They haven't been made whole. There's a lot of religious people. They cannot, their revelation is messed up. They can't really see what God wants to do with them. They can feel God, and they get attracted to him every now and again, but they're waiting on the second touch. And when I was coming to the the church house this morning, the Lord said, it's going to be second touch day. I'm like, yes. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Because you know there's people walking around really not seeing clearly what the Lord's been trying to accomplish in their life. Be thou made whole. What does wholeness mean? It means fixed inside and outside. See, it'd be, it'd be a shame for God to heal your body and you still to end up in hell. He wants your heart to be right. He wants you to be restored to full capacity. And that's why hell does not like this subject matter. That's why hell does not like the prophetic word of restoration. Because hell had been keeping people in bondage. And I have come through the power of the blood of the Lamb and the word of the Lord to set you free today. Restore. i got just a couple of minutes. I want you to go hold it next to somebody next to you and say, I'm, I'm getting ready to get this thing. I'm fixing to get it. And I mean, I'm going to get a hold of God. And he's going to do something. I have been waiting. God, and, and you know what, Lord? Here's what I want you to do right now while they're praying. I want you to remind them of things they have forgotten about in you. Go ahead, Lord. Just do it right now. Just awaken their spiritual senses and remind them of that prayer meeting long time ago. Remind them of the things that have been spoken holy ghost thank you lord awaken us bring it into our heart and our mind jesus said i will not leave you comfortless i will not leave you undone i will not leave you as some sort of fatherless orphan i will come to you because god loves a good wrap-up He loves a good restoration story. He walks into the temple as a young man. It was his day to do the reading. He opens to the prophet Isaiah. He reads the following word. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach good tidings to the poor and sent me to heal the brokenhearted and Proclaim liberty to the captives and the opening of prison to those that are bound. And to proclaim the acceptable year of God and the day of vengeance of our God. To comfort those that mourn. To console those who mourn in Zion. To give beauty for ashes. The oil of joy for mourning. The garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. So that they could be called the righteousness. The planting of the Lord that he may be glorified. Listen to this. And then they will rebuild old ruins. And they will raise up former desolations and repair ruined cities and the desolations of many generations. 
Strangers will then stand among you and feed your flocks. And foreigners will come and be the plowmen and the vine dressers among you. And you will be like the priests of the Lord. You see this great revival happening. God speaking over generations of his people. And I love, I love this. This is Isaiah 61 and 7. And instead of shame, you will have double honor. And instead of confusion, you will rejoice in your portion. See, it means something different to each one of us because you hadn't lost what I've lost. And I haven't lost what you've lost. But he said, you will rejoice in your equal portion. You will. You will have a personal restoration. Whatever you have been. Ask Job. He lost everything. And what was the latter part of Job? Twice. It was double. Why? Because God said, I love a good payback. And if I'm going to whoop the devil, I'm going to whoop him good. Oh, yeah. For shame, you will have double. And instead of confusion, you will rejoice in your portion. Watch this. And in their land, they will possess the double. And listen to this. For I, the Lord, love justice. Now, that's Queen's English. Let me see if I can do my Morgan Freeman. <clears throat> That's Queen's English there. For I, the Lord, love justice. Well, that's kind language. What, what, does it, what would it sound like if we were saying it in modern day language? They will all get what they got coming to them because I love a good payback. What are you saying? I'm tired of watching my kids get whooped up on. I'm tired of watching them be overwhelmed and live below divine potential. So I am going to restore them. I'm going to give them the keys to their spiritual household back. He continued to say, I hate robbery. I hate it. When hell tries to steal from them. So I'm going to pay them back. So look at the latter days of Job. When you read Job's story. And find out that God did repay him. And then some. Let me just tell you. You have never seen the person you're fixing to meet. When God does what he has promised to do. Over your life. Over your family. And over your household. You have never met the person. That you're about to meet. That is anointed. They are appointed. They are directed. And God has restored them. And their faith has been restored. I heard the Lord say. To humble yourself. Under the mighty hand of God. And he'll do what? He will exalt you in due season. Is there any biblical scholars in the house? Could you help me understand what due season is? It means that when we are connected to God, there's something due us. In other words, it's time up. It's time. There are some things that are due them. It's about being long enough. And so in this house today, under the sound of this spoken word, this prophetic uh, annunciation over this congregation.
I've come to speak the word of restoration over somebody who has been lost and wandering and confused and frustrated. And tell you that God is in the process and in the business of healing you and your house. I want you to stand with me if you will. Piece by piece. He's putting his church back together. Piece by piece. He's putting our lives back together. He's restoring joy. He's restoring health. He's restoring wholeness. In the lives of people spiritually, mentally, emotionally. And you, you, you have been brought in this congregation not by happenstance today, but by divine order. I watched a guy last Sunday morning be healed of cancer. I watched a girl that had been swallowed up by alcoholism for, for probably 30-something years. I watched her in the altar last Sunday morning, and her parents were pastors. And I watched her come, and the Lord restored her and honored their prayers. He'll do it. And He'll do it for you and I. And I feel that here right now. It was the close of the Vietnam conflict. Of course, there were a lot of prisoners of war during that particular conflict and it it was a very tragic horrific scene they would take these prisoners bury them in holes with hardly enough room to to move around no sunlight no food tortured they would the enemy would intercept the mail trucks that had all the canned notes and christmas cookies and whatever that the family was sending them or pictures of their newborn baby that they'd never got to hold the enemy would intercept those mail trucks and take them and dump it out in the middle of nowhere these prisoners locked up some of them for months years and at the close of the conflict one of the captains who came into one of the villages that was known to have hosted quite a few of the prisoners and close by was the the ravine there where the mail trucks were dumped but they came to announce the war is over they liberated these men those with them from these prison camps and the ones who physically could found this mountain of unopened mail And one of the guys standing there, he said, between tears, I could barely move. But he said, the best way to describe it is like 10,000 Christmases, Easter, Thanksgiving, and family reunions all wrapped up into one moment. And guys climbed in that pile and started opening letters and seeing pictures of, of babies they'd never been to hold, and, and seeing pictures of family, and, and the, the idea that they lived to see that moment. Breathe life into this moment. 
that although mentally, physically, spiritually, many may have been imprisoned, the war's over. And God is fixing to restore your household. And he's got some pictures he wants to show you. And he's got some promises that he wants to un- unload in your life and reveal in your life. Over the next few moments, and thank you for standing. Over the next few moments, as we kick off our next few days together, somebody in this house that God has designed an opportunity for you to be here today. I don't care how many times you think you've messed up. You are right on time today. And God wants to heal you, and God wants to restore you. Somebody else, your faithful member of the church, but maybe emotionally, spiritually, you've been struggling. And God said, the reason for that is, I'm trying to bring you to wholeness. So will you right now, with your eyes closed, with your hands lifted, First thing I want you to do is to forgive yourself. It's the hardest thing to do. I want you to forgive yourself and I want you to release yourself to be human. And to be able to make mistakes and to be able to make them over and over and over again. And God can still be God and he can overcome it. So if he's going to overcome it, I want you to release yourself right now. I want you to forgive yourself right now. I no longer hold myself prisoner to blame, prisoner to fear, prisoner to be anxious and to go back into worry or to be anxious about these things. I release myself right now. God has released me, therefore I release me. There you go. Now hold your head a little bit higher in the atmosphere. And say, now Lord, there's been a lot that I have been kept from. There has been a lot that I have kept myself from. There's been a lot that the enemy has kept me from. But your word being applied to my life today. Your word being applied to my home today. I claim restoration. I claim healing. I claim forgiveness. There you are. There you are. Heaven is coming open right now. If you need healing, why don't you come into the altar and pray for a few minutes? If you need deliverance, why don't you come in this altar today? Let our ministry team members pray with you. And God will deliver you from whatever it is that's going on in your mind or your life. Maybe you'd like to be filled with the power, the presence of God. Whatever the case might be. Whatever it might be, God has promised to restore. That's right. When you get here, just lift your voice. Let those tears out. Let your voice out. And let's believe God. He is restoring me today. I'm standing in this altar of prayer today because of a prayer my granddaddy or my grandmama or whoever it is prayed over me. And God is restoring me. God is restoring my family. I'm here because of a word that maybe my pastor had spoken over me a long time ago. Maybe it was in a Sunday school class. Whatever it is, He's restoring me. 
This podcast was brought to you by the Calvary Church in Cincinnati, Ohio. For more information about the Calvary Church, please visit our website at www.thecalvarychurch.com. Consider joining us for a service where you will find friendly people, high-energy music, and life-transforming preaching and teaching from a biblical worldview. You can find our podcast on iTunes, Google Play, or on our website at www.thecalvarychurch.com. Until next time, thanks for listening.